Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features Senior Pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. In this episode, Pastor Eric preaches from the book of 1 Corinthians about the calling of Christ on our lives to magnify Him above all others. We are called because of God's goodness and grace, not our merit or worth. Favor from God is not earned, it is given. Remember that in our lives, we must decrease so that Christ can increase. Listen and allow God to shape your heart to exalt Him above self and idols. Find your fulfillment and purpose in Him. And now, here's Pastor Eric. The Bible says, Paul. We know him as formerly a man named Saul who persecuted Christians. But Jesus <laughs> revealed himself to Paul on the Damascus Road. And Paul's story is about God and about God's story. And it's about Christ. And he says, Paul, he's writing, he's the author, called by the will of God, right? Not by the will of man, not by his will, not by anybody else's will. God called Paul on that Damascus Road. Paul, called by the will of God. To be an apostle, that means a sent one. Go, be a witness. An apostle of who? Of Christ Jesus. And our brother Sosthenes, he gets overlooked, but he was helping in this letter. The recipients, verse 2, to the church of God, the people of God, the assembly of God that is in Corinth, that major Isthmus trade city. Uh, Wealthy at this time, uh, 60% of them were slaves or former slaves. Uh, There was a huge... Uh, temple there with a lot of sex in. There was also a huge uh, athletic uh, amphitheater where they played a lot of sports. So sports and sex were huge to the Corinthians. It's kind of like our culture. To the church of God that's in Corinth. To those sanctified, set apart in Christ Jesus. Called to be saints, holy ones. Together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you do that? Have you called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved? He says to the Corinthians, they're both their Lord and ours. So he says, I'm Paul. I'm called by God. And you're the Corinthians and this is where you live, but this is who you are in Christ and you were called. But don't forget that just like you were called, the other people were called, just like the people at Philippi and Ephesus and Colossae, and just like the people in Adairsville. We're all called together. We're set apart in Christ Jesus. So he gives them finally the the benediction, grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you. Why? Because of the grace that was given you in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? You're either in Christ or you're outside of Christ. They were in Christ and they'd received grace. And he says, I thank God for that because that grace was given you in Christ Jesus. Verse 5 says, so that in every way you were enriched in Him, in all speech, in all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you're not lacking in any spiritual gift. You're, You're complete. You're not lacking. As you do what? As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that next week. Come back for the bad, good, gone. We'll talk about the revealing. He says, and that's what you're doing You're not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait. 
You're waiting for what? The revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ who will sustain you. He'll keep you to the end guiltless. Wow. In the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jump down to verse 26. It's our main text for today, verse 26 through 31, but I had to read the first nine verses. Such a God-centered opening. He says, For consider your calling, brothers, verse 26, Consider your calling, brothers and sisters. Not many of you were wise, according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom, our righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written in Jeremiah, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Heavenly Father, now show us Your Word. Lord, we believe that Your Word is truth. We believe that Jesus is the truth. And Father, we pray that You would reveal truth to us and call us to that truth in our hearts so that we could glorify You and You alone. Not I today. Not us today. But Christ. And Christ alone. In His name we pray. Amen. I want you to see first from our text that if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, you were called. You were called. Did you see that word called so many times in our text today? You see it in verse 1, Paul called. You see it in verse 2, to those at Corinth who were called. You see it in verse 9, God is faithful by whom you were called. You see it in verse 24, to those who are called. You see it in verse 26 where we opened in our latter passage. Verse 26, consider your calling. So we need to do that today. We need to stop and consider what does it mean to be called? What is a call? Well, there's God's general call as we saw even last week and there's also God's special call. What is a call? A call is a divine summons to salvation. It's God's divine summons Summoning you, inviting you. If you want the, the love language terminology, God wooing you to salvation. A divine summons to salvation, Paul said. I had that divine summons on the Damascus Road. Church at Corinth, you saints, you, you've had that divine summons to salvation. He says, consider that. Here's what called means. Called means you don't achieve, but receive. Can I say that again? Called means we don't achieve salvation, but we receive salvation. You were called. You, you, you don't achieve it. You don't, it's not something that you work for and that you muster up. You, you receive it. You're invited to it. It's an act of God. It's grace given. And I'm thankful that God woos us. He draws us to Himself. You see this in many parts of the Bible. You see it in the Gospel of John. Jesus would say, no man can come to me unless the Father draws, unless the Holy Spirit's drawing. I like what Pastor 
John Piper says. He's retired now. He wrote these words back when he was preaching regularly. You were about to sleep yourself into hell. And God woke you up to the ugliness of sin and the beauty of a great Savior. He loved you with a great love. That's the call of God. That I was sleeping my way into hell and death and sin and damnation. And God says, I will wake you up to the ugliness of sin and to the beauty of salvation. And I, I will invite you, follow me. Know the truth and be set free. Do you remember Watchman Nee, that great Asian Christian and Asian pastor? He said these words, Our salvation is entirely from God. And if this is true of the beginning of our salvation, it's also true of all that follows as we are sanctified, set apart, made holy. If the source of our life is in God, so also is everything that follows. Nothing starts from us. Amen? Nothing starts from us. It is from God and of God and by God and, and through God to God be the glory today. So I want you to see some points in our text. I'm going to give you three about man, about people, and then I'm going to give you four about Jesus Christ. I want you to look at verses 26 through 28 once more. Look at what he says to the Corinthians there and what God is saying to us today. Consider your calling. Brothers, sisters, not many of you were, number one, wise according to worldly standards. Number two, not many were powerful. Number three, not many were of noble birth. But God chose, He called, and he, this is the way God often works in this paradoxical kind of way. You lose your life in order to find it, you know. God chose what's foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what's weak in the world to shame the the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. I want to give you three points. They were not called because of these three things that you see in the text, and we were not called because of these things. Number one, we were not called because we were, number one, the philosopher. God didn't go, Eric is so wise then I'm going to invite him to salvation. Look, he's just, he's learning more. He's just such a wise, right? We're not. God doesn't call us based on our smarts, based on our wisdom. God doesn't call the philosopher. Apparently, in Corinth, there were not many. He doesn't say any. He says many. There were not many that were philosophers, that were wise by worldly standards. Don't you know the Greeks love this? The, 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 the people in Corinth, they loved this. They loved the, the wisdom. They would sit around and talk for hours about philosophy and, and wisdom, and that doesn't earn us favor with God. God doesn't call us because we're, number one, the philosopher. Number two, we're not called because we're powerful or mighty, because we're strong in arm, the athlete, or strong in the wallet, or in whatever. God doesn't look upon our mightiness and go, that person is so mighty, and, and he's got it all together, and all the ability, and all the possessions or all the athletic ability or whatever and, and go, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite him because of that. No. Number three, we, they, were not called because they or we were prestigious. You see all that in verse 26? Consider your calling. Not many of you were wise. 
according to world standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. Don't you know the Jews love that? The, the prestige, the, the lineage? That I'm of this line? That our house has got this much prominence? So if the Greeks love the philosophy, the Jews love the, the prominence and the prestigiousness. They loved that. But God says, I don't call you based on those things. A lot of people think that they have to clean up before they come to Christ or come to church. They think that, well, I have to have it all figured out. I have to be able to know every book of the Bible. And, you know, can I tell you, I can't name the, I'm a pastor, okay? I, can't, I don't know that I can name the Old Testament books in order. I mean, like I know them, I can get close. But if you gave me a quiz, I might, I might fail that. I might not, you know, guess, and you know, guess what? God doesn't look and go, oh, I'm going to call him because, now that was my upbringing, right? I thought that if, you know, surely if you memorized all these verses and you dressed right and parted your hair or something, I don't know, like God must call you then, right? You, <laughs> oh, goodness. God doesn't call us because we are wise or, or we have this great learning you don't, have to, you don't have to have it all figured out before you come to Christ or come to church. The philosopher. Number two, the powerful, right? I mean, we don't have to have everything in our lives. Like, I, I struggle with anxiety, right? God doesn't say, well, you got to be powerful and might. You got to, before you come to Christ in Christianity and church, you got to overcome all your weaknesses. No, we come to Christ weak. We come to Christ just as we are, right? I'm certainly not prestigious. Lord of mercy, I'm from Alabama. Yeah, no. <laughs> I twenty in the weather, right? That's the only thing good, right? I mean, God doesn't. We, we it's none of those things. And He says in verse twenty nine, so that nobody can boast. Now, too often, we think that God calls the outstanding. God calls the ordinary, not the outstanding. God calls the ordinary. Not the outstanding. That's what he's telling the people of Corinth, and he's trying to get the point across to Jew or Gentile. God calls you because you're ordinary. You don't, not because you're radical. I love David Platt, and he wrote that book, Radical. And I think a lot of Christians thought, well, i got to be radical to be in God's favor. And then I love Pastor Tony Morita, and he came out with a book called Ordinary. And I like that book because guess what? We are ordinary, right? I mean, we're ordinary, and God calls the ordinary. He doesn't call the outstanding. Do you know why? Because Jesus is the outstanding one. Amen. He gets the glory. You ever wonder why there's not a lot of philosophers and powerful people and prestigious people in Christianity and in the church? They might get the glory. What is Christianity mostly? If you want a P, I'll give you a P. We're plain. God calls the plain. God calls the, the plain folk. God invites the plain. Now, like what Warren Wiersbe says, he says, the text says many, not any. He says, consider not many of you. He doesn't say not any of you were philosophers. There are some wise people in Christianity. So I'm thankful for that. There are some powerful people. There are some prestigious. So he doesn't say any. He just says the majority of us, we don't fit into those, so we have to go with the fourth. We're plain. And God loves the plain folk. He loves us just as we are. We're called by grace. That's the word that he keeps saying. It's, it's by grace. By grace. You think about our culture, our society, they call based on other things, don't they? They invite based on other things. I mean, if you're looking for the text message or you're looking for the email to come in, it comes, but it probably comes for different reasons. Can I give you some? I'll just keep with the P's. 
Our society admires power, prominence, performance, philosophy, proof, and personal beliefs, pleasure, possessions, popularity. Those are the things that our culture admires. Yeah, the, the power, however we define that, the prominence, the performance. If you're performing on the athletic field or in the job or when whatever, yeah, we'll call you based on that. Or the culture values philosophy and the, the proof. We want the proof or we, want you, we value your personal beliefs. And so we'll call based on that. We admire those things or the pleasure. You just live for the moment, your possessions, your, your popularity. Our culture magnifies all of those things. What does the gospel magnify? The good news today is the gospel magnifies Christ. So we should admire Christ. We don't have to admire the power, prominence, performance, philosophy, proof, personal beliefs, pleasure, possessions, and every other P in the world. We admire Christ. We glory in these P's. We glory in the provider, the powerful God, and the Prince of Peace. We glory in the high priest, the Passover lamb, the perfecter of our faith. We magnify and admire the physician, the purifier, the promised one, the paraclete. You see, we were called because we were plain. And we were called because of the Prince of Peace for His glory. He says, consider that. God chose what's low and despised in the world. Those peas that don't really matter to culture in the world. God calls based on the plain. And He based off of Christ Jesus. And He says He does this in verse 28 to bring to nothing things that are. You see, we want to put this on the screen. The gospel is not about our greatness, but about His. The gospel is not about our greatness, but about His. The gospel is not about our ability, but about His. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. The gospel is not our story, but it's His story. The gospel is all about Jesus. So I want you to see that today. God does this so you can sing that new song that we sang last week and this week. Not really new, but all I have is Christ. You sang, and let my song forever be my only boast is you. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. Hallelujah. Jesus is my life. You're saying the words of the text. My boast is in you. Your greatness, not mine. Your ability, not mine. Your finished work on the cross, not mine. Your story, not mine. All I have is Christ. All I need is Christ. Jesus is my life. Verse 29. So that no human being might boast in the presence of man, or he really says this, in the presence of God. I mean, if you can't boast in the presence of God, you surely can't boast in the presence of man. Verse 31, is the text ends with a great quote from Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24, where he says, as it's written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let me just share that text with you. This is the text that's on Paul's mind because he knew his Bible. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. Jeremiah 9, 23. Now listen to verse 24. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, 
and righteousness. Those are three things we need in our world today. The unending love of God, the justice of God, and the righteousness, the goodness and holiness of God. In the earth, he says, the verse says, for in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Now don't you see, I mean, when you read Paul, you go, yeah, yeah, that verse in mind. The gospel is about Jesus. So it brings me to verse 30. And that's where I really want us to hit today. That's the verse that kind of started this sermon for me. Look at it. Verse 30 in the ESV translation says this. He is. God is. Begins with God. Other translations highlight that. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. You're either in Christ or outside of Christ. And if you're in Christ, that's life and God is the source of that. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and our sanctification and our redemption. The source of salvation is God. As the fountain of life, Jesus meets our greatest need. He, he's the fountain that we drink from. He's the source. He meets our greatest need and from Him flows four things. So I gave you the three P's and we see the really... It's, not about us. So let's look at Christ. And let's take each of these four. Christ is four things. Out of Him flows four things. Number one, wisdom. Number two, righteousness. Number three, sanctification. And number four, redemption. He says this, He's the source of your life in Christ Jesus, and Jesus has been made our wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the correct interpretation and application of truth. It's the correct interpretation and application of truth. It is applied knowledge. Uh, right? I've often said when we went through the Proverbs study, Proverbs is a book about wisdom. And I said, you can know not to stick your hand under the lawnmower. Wisdom is not doing it. Right? Wisdom is applying the knowledge. I was foolish. Right? Wisdom is the correct interpretation and application, living it out of truth. That's applied knowledge. Look at verse 24 of chapter 1. He says, but to those who are called, doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, doesn't matter really anything about your ethnicity, your sex, your race, whatever. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, that's who it's about, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. He says that Christ is our wisdom. Colossians 2.3 says, In whom, in Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So for those of us who are saved, Christ is our wisdom. He's our truth. He's our knowledge. He's our interpretation of things in this, in this world. And Christ is true. He's number one, our wisdom. I'm thankful for that because I said I'm not a philosopher. But Christ gives us wisdom and He gives you wisdom. You have wisdom. You have the Word of God. This is the wisdom of God. Christ is your wisdom. It's foolishness to the world. They don't understand. But it's salvation for us. Number two, and just for the sake of it, you guys are smart people. You, you can outline this one, two, three, four, and that's the way I've chosen but you could also, the way the Greek text is arranged, you could take one and then you could look at the, the, the other three as kind of flowing off of that. So like A, B, C. But look at righteousness. 
He says He is the source. God is the source of your life in Christ Jesus. He's the author of salvation. He draws, He calls, He invites. Christ becomes our life, the fountain. And Christ is made, number one, our wisdom. Number two, our righteousness. Our righteousness. What is righteousness? That word righteous means good, holy, pure. He is our goodness. Christ is our goodness. Christ is our holiness. Christ is our purity because we're not pure and we know that. We know we're not good deep in our heart of hearts. We need that goodness and purity of God. Here it refers to our justification that Christ has declared us righteous. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is based on His real life righteousness. So listen to some verses in the Bible. Don't turn there. Just listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For our sake, He... God the Father made Him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin. He's perfect. So that in Him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. It's that divine swap where the hand swap. The moment we believe, we get all of Christ's righteousness and He gets all of our sin. I don't know about you, but I want the hand swapped, right? I don't want my sin. I want Christ's righteousness. For our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Philippians 3.9 says it this way, And be found in Him, in Christ. To be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that's religion, that works, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness of not from works or from man, but from God that depends on faith. That's the gospel. Now sadly, that's not the gospel that's preached on TV or in a lot of churches today. They beg us, you have to become righteous. And how do you become righteous? By your works, by what you do. You're the source of your eternal life. You need to clean up and become whatever pee they want to give you. No, we need to be found in Him. Not having a righteousness of our own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Number three, he says that Christ is our sanctification. What is that word? It's a church word. It's a Bible word. It's related to the word saints and it's related to the word holy. All those words mean this, to be set apart. It means being set apart from sin and to God, dedicated to God. It means holy and holy means not sinless. It means separated, dedicated Set apart from sin to God. Listen to what the Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 Paul says, But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Holy Spirit and belief in the truth. He says that we're saved through sanctification as Christ sets us apart, as the Holy Spirit sets us apart, as the Father sets us apart, as the work of the triune God, we believe in the truth and we're set apart, sanctified. Hebrews 13, 12 says this, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through His own blood. You see, the blood of Jesus sanctifies us. The blood of Jesus sets us apart. I'm not set apart before the Father because I'm a pastor. Right, And you're not set apart before God because you're a member of a Daresville Baptist church or a member of some church. That doesn't set us apart. 
We have to be in Christ to be sanctified and set apart. And it's His blood. It's His righteousness. It's, it's His wisdom. It's all the things that Christ is that sets us apart. That sanctifies us as a saved person, as a member of the church of God. They were just in Corinth. We're in Adairsville. The fourth one you saw is the redemption. Look at verse 30. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What's redemption? Again, that's a church word. It's a biblical word. Redemption means this. To be purchased and set free from sin and death. To be purchased and set free. It's like a ransom and freed. Ransom, payment made, freedom. That's redemption. Listen to what the Bible says. Romans 3.24 And we are, Christians are, justified, that means declared righteous, by His grace, not by works, as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. In Christ is our redemption. We're redeemed in Christ Jesus. He pays the price. He sets us free. We can't get out of jail on our own. He, he pays. He, he gives the ransom. He gives the release. He gives the freedom. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him, in Christ, we have redemption. Through His blood, that's the payment, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. And Ephesians 4.30 says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom, Christian, you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. You're secure. You're safe in the arms of God until the day of redemption. That day when we're fully purchased, set free, fully from sin and death because right now we still experience it here on this earth. Still some... Yuck stuff that we need to be ransomed from, like cancer and Alzheimer's and COVID and all sorts of other social stuff that wreck our families and homes. He says, but there's coming a what? A day of redemption. So there's another day that's coming. A better day. There's a future day of redemption, which what that means is this. It means that one day we'll be saved from sin's presence, not just sin's penalty. We preach a lot of times that we're saved from sin's penalty, and that's true. That's only part of the coin. We're going to be saved from sin's penalty, but you're also going to be saved from sin's presence. Thank God. There's a day of redemption. There's no more tears, no crying, no death, no pain. So go back to those four. Christ is our wisdom. Let me show you how those three can fall under that. If Christ is our wisdom and we get a, a new head and a new heart and a transformed life, then He becomes for us, you may have heard these three things and these three we can fall it under and maybe relabel this. Christ becomes our justification, our sanctification, and our glorification. Right? Christ becomes our, that wisdom means that Christ is our righteousness, our justification. We're declared righteous based on faith, not on works. He becomes our sanctification each and every day. You know, that's righteousness. That's our position. But practically each and every day we're sanctified until one day we're fully glorified and redeemed and ultimately sanctified, ultimately set apart. That's, that's the redemption. See how the Word of God is so beautiful? And it's Christ. 
It's Christ. So let me just ask you this. You say, that's too much, preacher. Well, just, just stop and think about it. Is Jesus your wisdom today? Is Jesus your righteousness? Is Jesus your sanctification? Is Jesus your redemption? You know. When you look into your heart, is, is Christ all that to you? As we close, he says, it's written, if you want to boast, you boast in the Lord. And that's what he's done. Because what we've done today, because it's Christ, he, he's, he's anything good in us. I'm no good in me. So you're either in Christ or you're outside of Christ. And outside of Christ, we are foolish. Outside of Christ, we are unrighteous. We are unholy. We're weak. We're enslaved. We're lost apart from Him. But in Christ, we're complete. Don't you want to be complete today? That's the good. And if you're in Christ, you're complete. He is your wisdom. Stop trying. He is your strength. He's your righteousness. He's your goodness. He's your purity. He's your holiness. Oh, thank the Lord. Because I never could be. He's your sanctification. He's your redemption. He's your glorification. He's your everything. All I have is Christ. All I have is Christ. All I need is Christ. That's all I have. I have no plea. Need no other argument. So the glory of the gospel is Christ. Not me, not you. The glory is Jesus. So as we look, your, your call, that's basically what the text says. You were called and you were enriched. If you want to put them in essence, you could say this. You were summoned and supplemented. I summon you. I supplement you. Give you everything you need for life and godliness. 2 Peter chapter 1. Not because of who you are, but because of who He is. Not because of what you've done, but because of what He has done. Did, is doing, will do. Don't you love grace? Amazing grace. Pure grace. If it's from God, it's pure. And here's an aspect of pure grace that we often fail to think about. Pure grace doesn't take into account any good in us. You thought I was going to say any bad in us. Well, that's true. That's the part we often remember. Pure grace doesn't take into account any bad deeds, but guess what? Pure grace, if it's true, grace doesn't take into account any good deeds. It doesn't. He can't love you anymore. <laughs> he loves you. He doesn't need to take into account any good in us. He can't love you more because of what you do. He loves, there's grace, and that's it. Never so good that I'm without need, never so bad that I'm lost. <laughs> no, it's just grace. It's about Christ. That's the gospel. The gospel is this. The gospel, the good news is God calling you to receive Christ as your all in all. Your everything. Your total Savior. Like verse 30 says, He is the source of eternal life. And I pray that He's yours today. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.